What up, Bag Talk family? Today we have a special one. All my real estate fanatics out there, this is the episode for you. Can we sit in here with a real estate guru? We have Rod from Hard Money University, which is a platform where he teaches people how to become lenders in real estate. He's also a CEO of Flip Funding, where he's actually doing the lending himself. So Rod is literally on all sides of the ball game when it comes to real estate. This is going to be a great one because we got so many questions. Anything, this market is crazy, bro. People need clarity. So first of all, we just want you to kind of introduce yourself um, to get started. All right. So my name is Rod Stanback. Like you said, I'm the... I start with flip funding because that's well. All right, so I start. I'll start with real estate because that's how it all. You know, that's that's the heart of everything. So, um, first and foremost, I'm a real estate investor. That's how you know I me. Mean, I got into everything. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a real estate investor. I got involved in real estate back in 2008, 2009. That's when I bought my first properties, um, and then you know I transitioned into hard money. <clears throat> hard money. Uh, that's when I launched funding later, but I transitioned into hard money because it was the great recession when I got into real estate, you know what I mean? So nobody was lending and definitely wasn't lending to a first time investor and stuff. Um, so I had to get it however I could, you know what I mean? To get the property prepared mm -hmm. and everything. Um, now the first two properties I purchased were stolen um, because I didn't use a title company. I didn't know nothing about title companies or anything, you know what I mean? So they were stolen. I had to do something called the quiet title process in order to try to reclaim it. So the quiet title process is when you try to find the original owners and see if they want the property. If they want it, then I would have just been at a loss, you know, but what happened was the dude was a complete scammer. Like, you know what I mean? He was going around seeing, looking at abandoned properties and doing the research. And if the people were deceased and it was vacant for a certain amount of time, he figured nobody was going to be checking for it anyway. So he was just creating, you know, fake deeds and stuff. So somebody came to me and was like, I know some guy who got two properties for $10,000. I'm like, well, where yet? Let's go. You know what I mean? So that was a no brainer to me. So I gave him the cash. He gave me the deeds. I fixed one of them up, listed it for sale. And well, <clears throat> they asked me for the HUD. You know, those who don't know a HUD, is a, a statement you know that you get at settlement it, it lists all the expenses that's associated with the real estate transaction um at the time i didn't know that i didn't have it so i'm like what the hell is a hud you know what i mean so they like um they like how'd you get this property i told them they immediately referred me to a lawyer so i told the lawyer everything he coincidentally he knew the guy you know what i mean he because he, <laughs> he was doing pro bono work in court in family court for the guy's kids he was like, he's a complete scammer. Like, what you want to do? You want to, you know, pursue legal action? I'm like, well, if he's a scammer, then I'm sure he know how to protect himself. And I'm not going to get nothing anyway. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, my main goal was to keep the properties. So that's when we did the quiet title process. So what that really consists mm -hmm. of, again, you got to hire a private investigator because you got to really try to find people. Um, if they're not alive, you got to try to find their heirs or somebody you know, some, or some type of relative. So the first one, uh, we did it. Um, what the process looks like, you got to get that private investigator, but then you got to do three mailings to either the owner or their relatives, you know, property um, to see if somebody's going to respond. If they respond, then, you know, you got to negotiate. Um, but then you got to go do three ads in the paper as well, you know, uh, publications to see if anybody that could potentially know this person is going to inform them, whatever. But if nothing happens, no responses after each of those attempts, then you get to keep it. So 
that's what happened with the first one. So I was lucky because I already had like a hundred thousand dollars in that one, you know. So that would have been a hell of a loss for me. Uh, would, yeah, I would have been out of the game actually on my first deal, you know what I mean? If that would have happened. So um after that experience, I still had the second one, but I didn't put too much money in at the time. Um mm -hmm. so that was that same situation. The the person was deceased. Um but this time the heirs were still alive and they responded, you know, but so it was two sisters, but the property was in Philly. They had moved to Oakland. And by the time they finished the property, I mean, see, the last time they saw it, it was in shambles. It was vacant, ran down. So they was like $3,000, you know what I mean? So I cut the check for $3,000 real fast. And that was it. So, you know, after that experience, I'm like, you know, I got to get some education, you know what I mean? Because um, yeah. I lost everything. So I went and got a mentor. My mentor happened to be a <clears throat> money lender. So that's how I got, you know, introduced to the hard money industry. And I was intrigued by his model because he was not only a real, he was a real estate investor, you know, so then he was teaching real estate education. Um, then he was a hard money lender and he was raising money from like private individuals. And he had this system called the circle of wealth, where so everybody is depending on everybody and everybody's eating, you know what I mean? So the real estate investors depend on the retirees so retirees retire and you know a lot of times they still want to do something they still want to make money right so mm -hmm. how to invest in real estate and meanwhile they got additional funds that they're just sitting on that they don't know what to do with you know what i mean so teach them how to do private money try to do how to raise i mean try to teach them how to do private lending so now like the younger up-and-coming real estate investors that's coming in are getting funded by the retirees, you know, with their money. And then they're getting educated by this guy. So it's just the will of wealth, you know what I mean? Going around, everybody benefiting from everybody. So I was intrigued by that model. And I'm like, first and foremost, I never heard of hard money. I damn sure never seen nobody, you know what I mean? Nobody, no, no, nobody of color, you know what I mean, on that side. So I'm like, if I could take this model and, you know, bring it to my folks, then, you know, that's it sound like you know that sound like that's the move so that's exactly what i did that's how i got into hard money and formed flip funding that's a wild story yeah that's that's a wild story i've actually never heard anyone say their first homes were stolen that, that's crazy to me yeah yeah i mean <laughs> Yeah, but I see a lot of people who could potentially, you know, fall in, fall victim to that because you, you just hear real estate is the way, real estate is the way, but, and you just starting out, you know what I mean? You're not paying five figures for coaching and stuff like that. You thinking you can just do it on your own, like how difficult mm -hmm. it is to buy a property, but it's definitely a lot of crucial things and the minor details is the stuff that that's key, you know what I mean? That you want to learn from everybody else's mistakes and stuff. So that's, that was my biggest takeaway from that experience. Yeah, so I mean, you kind of just you kind of just said something right there, right? Like, a lot of people think that they could kind of just put money into it, and get started, and some people just go straight towards like, let me buy a course or whatever. But mm -hmm. if you had to guide someone to be like, yo, this is how you can get started in in real estate, because obviously you had to go and get the mentor, right? You had to go and get the education. But let's just say you can't like get a mentor. How would you, you know, direct people to go and get that education? What can they read upon, and how how do they find those little details? Um, that's part one of the question and part two real quick right I, I know it's sometimes really like simple for us but for people who are who are just new to this have no idea what hard money even means at all like is there is there soft money right like people don't know what that means so can you explain that as well 
So yeah, so hard money is essentially an alternative to traditional financing. So traditional financing is what you would get from a bank or like a residential mortgage broker who's funding owner-occupied properties or something that, you know, it's one of us are gonna live in personally. So hard money is strictly for business only, business purposes, commercial use. So although we fund like residential properties, like one, one a single units and, you know, um, stuff like that, still considered commercial because business purposes you know so um that's the main difference we never fund on owner occupied only investment purposes so you know um that's the that's the main difference and yes there is soft money you know hard it's really all hard money is like <clears throat> so people a lot of people don't realize hard money was birthed in difficult times you know what i mean like in hard times it's not because and it, it can be you know because the terms are a bit harder you know than traditional financing and stuff but hard money was birthed during hard times so it, it it thrives during the the bad economies because banks shut down you know what i mean and it be more it's more opportunities available because a lot of people are in tight situations and they got their, their back against the wall, they're, they're, just, they're under distress, you know, so they sell properties at bigger discounts, but who really got the cash to buy this stuff except the ultra wealthy, you know what I mean? And if banks aren't lending, you gotta go private or hard money, you know? So this is when, you know, that's, what, that's how it was birthed. And, you know, so times like this is, you know, the best times, you know, with it really when you can take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. And that makes sense. So then, I mean, if for like we said, beginners, right? How much money should they be coming to the table with hard money? Like, as in a percentage wise, like, are you asking for like a bigger down payment usually, or is it like you know similar? Like, do you have you know opportunities for someone who's beginning to get in with like let's say five percent down, or they got to come with 20 percent? Yeah, that's a great question. So we don't have like any first time buyer programs or. We don't have like Fannie, Freddie Mae, or conventional mm -hmm. loans where you can put three, three and a half percent down, five percent. You know, so these are investment purposes. So you know, we want to see some type of skin in the game because if you know the project goes south, if you're not invested in it, then you're just gonna bail and leave me, the lender. You know, what I mean, picking up the pieces, and that's that's gonna be too risky for us. You know, so we always, <clears throat> you know, if so, it depends. If it's a rental loan. Or you know, like a long-term pro loan product, it usually have to you usually have to put down twenty to 15, anywhere from fifteen to twenty percent. Um, mm -hmm. But if it's a fix and flip or any any project with a construction or a rehab component, we'll fund up to ninety percent of the purchase price and cover a hundred percent of the rehab cost. So like that's one key thing. Um, oh. So we you know we require a little more down payment wise but a bank won't fund a vacant property you can't go to them and get a loan for a fix and flip you know so we're like mm -hmm. the only option you know for for those types of investments got it so, so go ahead bro no my fault you you could i feel good no nah, I, I was i was just gonna follow up on like so just to make sure right like when we say hard money as you said like that the banks are not going to go in on a fix like on a property that's completely destroyed right or like a flip some type of so is it's for like properties that are either like not the best or certain situations where you can't afford the financing in a traditional way that's when you would you know seek someone in the hard money field right that just to right. make that clear yeah so you'll see traditionally you'll see hard money if you have a vacant property if you have something that need repairs uh, or something like that um so 
there's two main reasons people use hard money. Um, it's both have to do with leverage, you know what I mean? So, you know, either you don't have all the money to buy cash or you just want to, uh, you you know, leverage leverage financing so you could buy multiple properties with the cash that you do have. So let's say you have $100,000 cash, you know what I mean? You got two options. You can buy a house, $100,000 cash. Let's say you're getting $1,500 a month out of that one. That's $1,500 a month. You have a $100,000 property. Um, in the value, it may say it's one twenty-five. So now you got twenty-five thousand dollars equity, and you're making fifteen hundred dollars a month, right? That's option one. Option two, you can leverage financing, and let's say it's twenty percent down. You know what I mean? So now instead of that one, you can get five. But let's consider expenses. Let's say so you only get four down. You know what I mean? Let's say it's like twenty grand in expenses with those four transactions. You got four properties now um, instead of the one. So let's say the equity is still there. So now instead of $25,000 equity, multiply that times four, you got $100,000 equity. You know what I mean? So you just doubled your money right then and there of that $100,000. But then, you know, let's say you got a mortgage. So mortgage might be $750. So now instead of that $750, you're making, uh, I mean, $1,500, you're making $750 a month. Multiply that times four, that's three grand. So three grand. I mean, just look at the difference. You way more ahead by leveraging financing than you know trying to pay cash. You know, so a lot of people don't realize that. P people don't understand the cost of doing business, and that's exactly what it is. You know, like when you use hard money, they look at the interest rate. They don't look at the opportunity. You know what I mean? So the interest rate might appear high when you compare it to a, a long term loan because that's they're making the money over the course of thirty years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. These term loans are twelve months. And, you know, so if somebody see it's 10%, they're like, man, I can go to the bank and get something for 6%, you know, but again, the bank is not going to fund you if you got a vacant property, you know what I mean? So that's one thing, but people still try to compare it, but like a bank, I bank this and that, well, okay, but a bank is going to try, they go they, they require bank uh, tax returns, W-2s, personal income, hard money don't require that stuff. We don't care because we understand it's an investment and let's say Newski, let's say you ain't got a dime in your pocket but you know what i mean rail got a hundred thousand dollars but you know what i mean so y'all partners so it don't matter what you got you know what i mean it just matter about the network that you have you know so we understand that so it's not about you personally because you know like i said you could be the acquisitions guy Newski, and rail could be the, the capital partner you know so um so we don't care about you personally, you know what I mean? Our main right. concern is that the deal is profitable because if you're not going to make a deal, then we all, I mean, if you're not making any money on the project, then we all just wasting our time. You know what I mean? So that's the main, you know, concern that, that we have as members. Yeah. Mm, for sure. So it's really a numbers game now. So what I got from that is you basically saying when it comes to hard money, the, the terms of the loan are shorter or the interest rate is a lot higher. But numbers-wise, it might still work out to where you pay less money overall because, like, by the time you pay that back over the course of a year, um, now you're going to be sitting pretty when it comes to getting your rental income versus having to pay an interest rate, of course, over the course of 30 years with a long-term loan, correct? Exactly, exactly. Yep, and, like, right now, it's not too big of a difference because, you know, if you go to bank to get a home loan, yeah, yeah, seven now, you know what I mean? <laughs> and we yeah. get loans at 10% for fix and flips and stuff like that. So it's not that big of a difference. And 
in this situation, you know, actually the payments for that short-term loan will probably be cheaper than the long-term loan because you don't, a lot of people don't realize when you're getting a short-term loan, it's interest only, you know what I mean? So you're not paying uh, uh, interest, taxes, insurance. You Once you add all that stuff in on that 7%, oh, true. Yeah, that payment is now is going to exceed. So that's that's the problem now. A lot of people don't don't want to refinance because mm -hmm. you know they're going to be paying a, a, a payment that's higher than the loan that they already had. But mm -hmm. it's still a short term loan that's maturing, so they have to, you know. But it's not the best, you know, economical, you know, decision. So for that piece, right? Like when you say interest rate does not really typically matter, right? In this time period, right? Obviously, like mm -hmm. do you get if people who don't have bad or don't have good credit are like seven percent. So how I guess how does credit play a factor? Like does credit score play a factor when it comes to hard money? Um, like say someone has an amazing credit versus someone who doesn't have good credit. Like would that matter to you? Yes, fifty percent. You know, you're fifty percent. Yes, fifty percent. No. So. On the short-term loans, short-term loans are called bridge loans. You know, anything mm -hmm. that's from zero to—I mean, from like three to twenty-four months—is really like considered a bridge loan. So, mm -hmm. uh, they are more considered. I mean, they're more dependent upon uh, experience. You know, so you know that you get a high, higher leverage and lower rates for the more experience that you have, and and, and experience is defined by what you've done in the past 36 months. Nobody cares what you did 10 years ago. This is a different market. You know what I mean? Like we want to know what have you done lately? Um, so that's what we're looking at for short term. Long term, that's credit. You know, that's more credit dependent. Um, still don't have to submit any bank statement. I mean, I'm sorry. You don't, you don't have to submit any tax returns, W-2s or anything like that. But it is more credit based because you like it's a marriage for 30 years you know what i mean so right. they want to look at your payment history you know what i mean because if if you don't have a record a history of making payments then nobody's gonna want to you know um be a part of that transaction so that's why long-term loans are more credit dependent uh, so so what i'm getting from that as well is just like okay harmony lenders they're looking at the house just as an investment for themselves in a sense. They're kind of thinking like, if this, if the person I'm lending to is the default, do I want this yeah. for myself, right? Because that's kind of what I was also getting to is you guys use it as collateral as hard money lenders. Like if it goes yeah. wrong, like what happens when the hard money loan goes wrong? Absolutely. So you got it. You know what I mean? So me personally, I don't lend on anything that I wouldn't um consider holding myself you know because that's always a potential you know what i mean so you got to always be mentally prepared for worst case scenario you know you pre you prepare for the best but you know i mean you hope for the best prepare for the worst you know mm -hmm. um so ah, i got a loss of train of thought my bad um nah, that's all no, good. You're good. Um, nah, i mean i was just i was just basically getting that <clears throat> like where does hard money go wrong and also like kind of why would someone you want to use hard money versus a traditional bank loan if they have good credit all right um so if if why someone want to use hard money if they have a traditional uh, i mean if they have good credit um like so the bank is going to stop you you know different banks have different requirements so some banks stop you you can't get any more loans with them after you have five loans you know some of them go up to like 10 so if you're like a a professional investor with multiple projects going on you have no choice but to go to the hard money route you know and for the long-term loan some people call it soft money because our interest rates are you know 
pretty much in line with traditional financing for long-term loans. So short-term, it might seem high, but long-term, we, we're still in the sevens, you know, or very low eights, depending on credit, you know. So, you know, we're pretty competitive to the bank. So if, if it's like a 1% difference and it's less hassle, a lot of times, you know, that's more attractive to real estate investors. And we close a lot faster, you know, than the bank. A bank, some banks can close in 30 days these days, but most of them, you know, taking 60, you know, 45, 60, sometimes even a little longer than that. Whereas though mm -hmm. we can close in two to four weeks. It all depends on, you know, the appraisal. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And I know, Rel, you just, you just kind of pointed something out and I'm, I'm kind of curious, right? So. Let's just say now, because you said that um, if you have like five properties, like 10 properties, right? Like the banks might stop you from getting another one or giving you another loan, right? Which makes sense because they don't want, you know, they don't want to be leveraged too much either. Right. So from your perspective now, let's just say like you're talking to someone because our, our channel and our audience has the range really is like between like 22 to like 35. That's what we've been seeing a lot of, right? So when we speak to these people, they're like first time home buyers, a lot of these people, right? Like when it comes to that age range. So would you recommend, I mean, obviously in a non-biased way, right? <laughs> would no, you, I'm would, always non-biased, like yeah, yeah. Would you recommend they go the hard money route where if they have decent credit, right? Um, or would you recommend they actually go the regular finance traditional route? I highly recommend starting to start if you your, your first investment, so I go the traditional route. You know what I mean? I'm gonna tell you why, because a lot of people, you know what I mean, you, you get into the game and you you overwhelm yourself with expenses and stuff like that. Start small, take it slow, y'all. Like it's not a race, it's a marathon. You know what I mean? Like the problem is everybody wants instant gratification these days, you know what I mean? And you get too excited, you know what I mean? You start making rash and irrational decisions and they come back and haunt you, you know what I mean? So like most people, they they get that six figure job, they wanna automatically have a big house and the, the, the exotic car and all that stuff. But that stuff is just setting you back, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. what I would do, I would definitely house hack. You know, I've never done it. Well, I did have house hack before. So, I mean, um, but I didn't really know that term at the time, whatever. But mm -hmm. so, yeah, I would house hack. I would buy a multifamily, fix it up, live in one unit, especially if I don't have a big family, like, you know what I mean? Multiple kids running around and all that. I would just get a multifamily, live in one unit, rent out the other one so I don't have those expenses. Just keep my job, you know what I mean? Keep doing what I'm doing so I have that income still coming in. You got your mortgage and overhead being paid by your tenants. So that way you live in stress-free, you got your own spot. And now after that, then I would go on to hard money. You know what I mean? Or if you're getting turnkey properties, it depends on what you know your niche is. If you're doing um, a buy and hold and you want turnkey properties, Go ahead and milk the bank, you know what I mean? The, you know, for those low interest rates. But the mm -hmm. thing is, um, you got to be careful of your debt to income, you know what I mean? So if you're trying mm -hmm. to get all these loans from the bank and you're trying to get that nice car or a big house for yourself, you know, that might hinder you, you know, by getting all these, you know, um, conforming loans with the bank, whereas though hard money, a lot of people don't realize that doesn't report on your credit. So even if we pull your personal credit, it doesn't report, you know, these are business purpose loans, commercial loans. We don't, you know, we don't report payment history on your credit or nothing mm -hmm. like that. So it don't affect your debt to income. <coughs> so that's another value add for using hard money. But I would use hard money after that. Um, 
especially if you're going to do fix and flips, new construction and so forth. But at least when you're doing that, you know, your overhead and stuff taken care of and, you know, you can just focus on the money for real instead of just like having your back against the wall and, you know, having a, you know, hustle and bustle to try to come up with your, you know, your rent and all your stuff because you overextended yourself. Yeah, no, I appreciate that response. That's dope. Okay. Uh, for for a fact, for a fact. So it's like, you know, we've done a lot of talk about hard money and that that process of getting like hard money. That's one way to get funding for your projects in real estate. Yeah. But just like we said, our audience a lot of times is beginners. That is what we noticed. So I kind of want to get into just real estate in general, real estate strategies and just things that can really help people as far as people who are passionate about real estate who want to get into it. Mm-hmm. So it's like i know you mentioned house hacking uh you said that's the preferred strategy for a beginner or like how how did you well you did tell us actually how you how you got started exactly but you would tell a beginner to start with house hacking for sure what's up guys hopefully you guys enjoyed part one of rod's interview comment below what you like the most but make sure you tune in next week where we will be dropping part two there he will be discussing his house hacking journey plus other strategies he likes on how you can get involved in real estate so make sure you check that out but until then peace soundstrap